I've got these little LED lights that you can buy online. You can buy a thousand of them for darn near nothing, and put a you put a little um, watch battery on the back side of it, and you and you basically tape it to your top of your float, and you got a little LED light, and you can just watch your float that way. Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge, Al Bradbone, Mike Grace. Alex is uh, joining us via telephone, and normally we'd have Wayne Locke in the studio with us, but Wayne is uh, occupied elsewhere at this time, so will not be joining us this week. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing good, Redbone. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. It's hot. Yeah, it's hot. It's about uh, 98 degrees here in southern Missouri right now. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I was looking at 97 a while ago, and the heat index makes it feel like 107. It's just been, yeah. and, and that's been the thing, is the humidity levels have been so high. It is just miserable outside. Yes, it is. It's terribly hot, and I tell you what, it's hard on the animals right now. To all of our listeners, I want to suggest to all of our listeners, make sure that all your animals have plenty of water right now. And also, that's your pets, your dogs, your cats, your cattle, your hogs, whatever you may have. And also check on your neighbors, your elderly neighbors right now. Yeah, because there are a lot of people out there that just don't have adequate air conditioning, Alex. And uh, this time of the year, uh, a lot of people are suffering with that. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, I've always said that if you've got a, a neighbor, doesn't even have to be an elderly neighbor, but they don't have adequate air conditioning or maybe no air conditioning at all, invite them over to the house. I mean, if it's just for a couple of hours to let them cool off, invite them over if you've got good air conditioning and, and uh, you know, be a good neighbor. And, you know, you talk about the pets, Alex, and, and I've got a little pet peeve when it comes to pets in this kind of weather and one of those is i see people that will give their pets ice water or put ice in the pet's water folks that is bad for your animals it will actually make your animals hotter and i think we covered this i read an article about this about a year ago uh, written by a veterinarian who said the same thing do not feed your pets ice or put extremely cold water out for them to drink and the reason is because dogs and cats are not like humans you know, we're really hot. We want something really cold. Well, when pets drink really cold water, there's something in their uh, in their system that triggers, ooh, we're getting cold, so we got to build more heat. And it actually will make your animals get hotter instead of cooling them off. They really need room temperature water. You know, that is a great, great tip to share with our listeners across the country, across the world. And, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you another thing. As I'm looking out my window right now, I'm looking out my garden. You also want to water that garden. Make sure that your vegetables get plenty of water (laughs) so they will stay healthy. And, uh, you know, just a great subject to touch on for the opening of the show. And I just want to welcome everybody to the show today. And we've got a great guest lined up for the show today. And it's one of our team members, one of our team leaders, John Manning. He'll be joining us. And we're going to talk about catfishing. You know. Ah. Catfishing is a huge subject, Redbone, all across the world. There's people fishing for catfishing every different way, 
and different types of catfish. So that's going to be a great subject for the show. Today. That, that will be. And it's that time of the year now, Alex, to go out you know, late in the evening and catch those big old cat when they're coming up into the shallows to eat crawdads or, or whatever it is that they might be looking to eat or to fish those big deep holes in the heat of the day. They're down there in the bottom and they're, they're scouring for something to eat. And catfish will always bite if it gets close to food. Yes, they will, Redbone. I, I remember as a kid, just a quick story. My older brother, Roy Rutledge, would always take his catfish into ponds, and we would take uh, livers, and we mm-hmm. would take liver and soak it in vanilla, put vanilla in it. To really? Up the, yeah, the chicken livers. Then we would go in and, and uh, go fish these catfish ponds and catch big old catfish. And that's just one of the tricks that we're going to share with you. But, again, John Manning is very knowledgeable about catching these huge cats He's from Ohio, and he, again, he will be joining us throughout the show here in the upcoming segment. And uh, that being said, I will make some announcements here for all of our listeners. Uh, the bass are still biting on the rivers. The bass are still biting on the lake. I got to fish a tournament last Friday night over on the North Fork Lake. We put in at Panther Bay. They call it Friday Night Tournaments. Yeah. I fished my uh, great-nephew, Dylan Watson. I believe there were 17 boats in it. We finished sixth. We had eight pounds, 91 ounces. Dylan lost a four to five pound fish, which would have put us in second, maybe even second place for sure. But I had a great time with him. And we was catching the fish on a spinner bait and a jig bite and a crankbait bite. That's what we caught him on. Wow, so just a little bit of everything. You know, Alex, there's a little bit of concern about Lake Norfolk right now uh, because of the oxygen levels, and they've got good oxygen on the surface. And I was hearing somebody talk about this earlier this week, and then there's a there's an area where there is no oxygen, and then there's oxygen down deep. And, and the problem is that since the lake is so high, uh, the lake gets up high like it is, and that vegetation absorbs the oxygen out of the water. It sure does. And uh, they are really afraid of a of a uh, massive fish kill on Lake Norfolk if we don't get some rain and get some of that oxygen replenished in the water. So we certainly hope that that happens. And uh, I mean, it's, it's not a it's not a great fear. Not everybody's panicking, uh, but there's a real possibility there could be a really big fish kill. And I would assume that Bull Shoals and and some of the other lakes uh, that are high because of all the water we had in the spring probably are experiencing the same problem. I, w- I would say so, Redbone, and uh, that's another great point to point out and share with all of our listeners because we got listeners all over the United States and the world that come to the Ozarks, and uh, they need to hear about the Ozarks. And we're all about promoting the Ozarks. We're all about promoting our faith, our family, and our friends, and our constitutional rights. That being said, I got another announcement before we go to a break. The King's River on Current River is coming up July the 25th, Water Cross Landing. And you will put in at 7 o'clock. you got to have an increase paid by six fifty, And you will leave the watercrest landing, and you fish by yourself. You must have an aerator in your live well. You must abide by all rules and regulations of the Missouri State of Highway Water Patrol and MDC rules. You cannot have more than six fish in your live well, and you can only weigh in five fish. So that's coming up July the 25th. And this is out to everybody out there that has a jet boat. If you think you're good enough to win the King of the River, come and fish the tournament with us. If the money goes to a great uh, organization, and proceeds go to help different things in the Van Buren Carter County area. But again, we got a show lined up for everybody. We got John Manning, ARO team leader of America Roots Outdoors, and he will be joining us in the upcoming second segment. 
We're going to go to a break, and we'll be back with more American Reach Outdoors right after this. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Waddell with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. I can load him in the back of my truck. We can take it to a holler. Take it to a holler. presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. We've got a great show lined up for everybody. We've got ARO team leader John Manning from Ohio. This guy and this show is going to be focused on catfishing. A lot of people love to catfish all over the world, all over the United States. And I want to welcome John Manning to the show. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, everybody. Glad to be on. Yeah, well, John, what are you doing right now? Tell all of our listeners what you're doing right now as you speak. Well, I just stopped from tying up tomatoes. I've been tying up my tomatoes in my garden, trying to get them up. And uh, and my wife and my youngest son is right now tending to their, their strawberry patch. Uh, so we're uh, we're gardening. We're running our garden through. So we're, we're able to get you out of work for a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting actually in my Jeep here, a little, little bit of a breeze. It's uh, been really hot. It's been in the 90s here. Um, this little bit of breeze that we got blown right now is kind of a relief because it's not been a relief. Yeah, well, tell us real quick, John, where you're located at in Ohio. I'm actually in the eastern part of Ohio. It's called Brown County. So it's the uh, eastern part. I'm about, I'm about two hours east of Cincinnati um, towards the Ohio River. I'm I'm Actually, I can meet the Ohio River in about 20 minutes. It's just, I'm on top of the hill from the Ohio River. Hey, so the listeners get a, a, a better feel for who John Manning is. Let's talk about John Manning in Redbone. John, tell everybody where you was born, where you went to school, uh, who took you on your first outdoor experience. Awesome. Well, I was born in Georgetown, Ohio, to Tom and Mary Manning, my mom and dad. And they both live in a neighboring town not too far from here. I went to school at Claremont Northeastern, uh, where I was in uh, basically, I went all the way up till I was a junior in high school. And then I went to uh, a uh, Great, o- Great Oaks program where I took firefighting. But I played football in high school. And uh, my uncle actually took me on my first hunt. We went squirrel hunting. Uh, he had a Browning Sweet 16. And a funny story behind it. We had a fox squirrel, a red squirrel that most people call, but we call him fox squirrel, went around the tree, and my uncle said, stay right here. He said, I'll swoop around the other side of the tree, and if he comes around, I want you to shoot him. Well, needs to say, when he come around, I I just kept pulling the trigger. I was a little guy, and I kept pulling the trigger. So needs to say, we couldn't eat that squirrel because it was full buckshot. But it was a, it's something I'll never forget. Uh, my uncle's passed on. Um, he's on. He went on to heaven, and... But I, I, that's something I will cherish till till the day I die. Is that that first hunt was it was amazing. I was hooked right then and there. Yeah, I think that's kind of the way it is for just about everybody. Alex, is uh, you go with a grandpa or a dad or an uncle or somebody, and and man, first time you knock that squirrel out of the tree, yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, that excites you, especially if you're a young kid. Well, I agree, and and I think you know John is a perfect example of the true American. 
that loves his creator and loves the American flag and is a conservative and a Christian. And it's an honor to have him to be a part of our team, him and his family. And let's talk about your family now. Let's talk about your wife, uh, your two boys, and let's talk about the passion that you have for them. And let's share with everybody about them real quick. Awesome. Well, my wife, uh, my love of my life, she uh, she's actually she's a saint to – I met my wife over 20 years ago, and I'm I'm so glad I met my wife because I got the best in-laws a man could ever ask for. And uh, sometimes people don't say that, but I do. My my mother-in-law, father-in-law are great Christians. My father-in-law plays in a Christian band. But I'll be honest with you, I was living for the world before I met them, and they hooked me and got me back into where I need to be at. And uh, I got a very good Christian wife. Uh, she's funny. Uh, she's a fire redhead. She gets a little fired up here and there. Uh, she, uh, she likes to hunt and fish. She don't like to deer hunt as much as she does like to turkey hunt. Um, and then I got my two boys. My oldest boy's 18. Christian, he just graduated, and he's a uh, full-time firefighter now. He's already started uh, working as a full-time firefighter, and here later in the fall he'll be going through his medic school. And then I got my youngest boy, 16-year-old, Nick. And uh, they both are both fired up when it comes to hunting. They've been like that all their lives. Um, I mean, even when they had their little stick guns going around shooting their imaginary deer and stuff when they were little, you know, they've always been compassionate about the hunting and fishing. So uh, I couldn't ask for a better family, especially being a Christian family. I, I, that's amazing. Well, folks, you can tell by listening here, John Manning uh, has his priorities straight in his faith and he loves his family, and he, he keeps mentioning his faith and his Christianity. And uh, you can see he, his son's a firefighter like John was and still is, and he, he et cetera. And the whole family does a lot of community service in the communities, and that's another reason what, what attracted me to having John be a part of this team. So, uh, again, we're proud to have you on this team. Let's talk about this. we got about a minute and a half left before we go to a break. And, uh, John, what does family mean to you in the outdoors, as an outdoors family? What does it mean to you, and what can you share with our listeners to maybe inspire them to get in the outdoors? Family, my family means the world to me. Um, my dad, my brother, pretty much grew up in the hunting industry, around the hunting industry. My my dad, my, my brother, have always been big into hunting. Uh, my father-in-law, he, uh, he loves to hunt, uh, but it's, it's just family that's that's a key point i mean i've got a good again a good christian family that respects each other and like i said it's my wife is my rock if it wasn't for my wife again like i said she 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 keeps you you know the wives keep you in line <laughs> but uh family's the world i you always can rely you can always fall back on your family You've got lots of friends, but your family's always there, always there for you. That's what I love about it. I, if I fall down, I got somebody in my family help me pick me back up, and that's that's amazing. And, you know, so that's family is key point for everything. My family, my faith, my family's first and foremost in my life. Yeah, well, it was a two part question. So, what have you got to say to people to get them involved in the outdoors, like you and your family are? Well, honestly, um, like it's it's important. I like to volunteer a lot of time. Uh, I do a lot of little uh, little hunts and stuff to to help like the needy, 
We do a lot of different things like that. My wife is involved. A lot of times she may not go out for the hunt, but she'll help cook food, uh, help get the camp up and going, like a lot of places we go. And, so like, and then hospitality. Um, when I have guys come in, like my boss and them come in from, uh, from Texas, my wife is always involved. My boys are always involved. So I always, I always love it because I have my family there with me, everything I do in the hunting industry. If I, I shoot a deer or if my son shoots a deer, my wife's the first one out the door to go help track it. I mean, just like that. She's like, let's go. She, she, she loves to go out and track them deer. Uh, again, she don't hunt them as much, but she loves to help go out and track them. And, and uh, my boy's the same way. Ever since my boy's are really little, I have pictures of my boys sitting on the deer that I've shot, uh, help me go get them and gut them out, all that kind of stuff. They've, we've always been very tight-knit. And it's important, you know, guys out there, Invite your wife out, you know, to go fishing. Invite your wife out to, to go hunting, you know. But if you go out there and she's like, I'm bored, don't make her sit there. You know, go back. You know, just keep slowly in- integrating a family member. It might not even be your wife. It may be your son or, or your daughter. Don't make them sit there. If, if, if they get bored or take something with them where they won't get bored, if they get bored, you're there an hour, and they're like, hey, I want to go back. Go ahead and go back, but encourage them to keep going out, and eventually they'll get hooked to it. But if you make, if you force somebody to stay there, you, you're going to put the kind of a bad taste about it to them, and they may never want to go back. So that's my key point is, is uh, as, you're, as you've got kids growing up or if you want to take your wife or your girlfriend or, uh, or your neighbor or anybody out hunting and, and they start getting bored or something, don't just make them stay there. You know, you can try to encourage them, but if they if they make their mind up, they want they're ready to go back, go back, and just keep encouraging them um, to keep going in, going back out with you. And eventually, I'm telling you, they're going to get hooked. They'll get hooked, and, and you got it. You got it. Whatever there you need you to be. It, folks. There you have it, folks. John Manny sharing his uh, how to and how to get your family involved. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, John Manny's going to share some tips with you on how to catch these huge, huge blues and channel catfish. That's our whole focus is about catching catfish. Don't go away. We'll be back with more American Roots outdoors right after this. Right here, right now, this is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull. presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. If you're just joining the show, we have ARO team leader, Mr. John Manning. Lives in southeastern Ohio. He just got through sharing his American roots, where he was born, where he was raised, uh, talking about his family, how to get families involved in the outdoors. Now our subject matter is how to catch catfish. Different people like to catch them on fishing poles. Some like to catch them on trout lines. Some love to catch them on jug lines. And some love to catch them on floaters. I'm sure John Manning can explain how to use these techniques in each one of these techniques as we talk to him. John, what is your favorite way to catch catfish with you and your family? Because I know you guys do this all summer long, and you love to catfish. Honestly, my favorite way is just the pole and the reel. And uh, I fish a lot of lakes, a lot of rivers. Um, that's probably by far my favorite. When when you're reeling one in and you put them in the net, it just, I just, I just, I love catching them big and big uh, flatheads, the big uh, 
shovelhead catfish. A lot of guys call them flatheads, and then blues and, and big channels. But my main my main way to catch them is a, is a pulling, you know, reel and pole. That's just my favorite way to do it. My question: What kind of reels and rods? What pound test do you use? What type of hooks? And what is your favorite baits to use? Well, to start out with the reels. I use a uh, I use a uh, bait casters. I use uh, a lot of times. I got Abby Garcias. I've got some Cat Maxes, um, and I use anywhere from ten foot um, catfish rods. Just you know, like surf poles. A lot of guys call them surf poles. There's all kinds of different brands out there. Um, I use a lot of times. I use master rods, different types of rods, and then um, I fish with a float, and I also fish fish on the bottom. I'll do a, a river rig where um, basically you take a, a flat sinker and you, you hook it down, and then about three or four feet up, I'll put actually a float with my bait because I'll suspend my bait up off the off the bottom about two or three feet. And kind of, and we do a lot of drift fishing with, uh, you put the poles in your, on, when you're, if you're on a boat, and just kind of turn your trolling motor on slow and just kind of drift down the, down the river until you get one to, to hit. But uh, mainly I fish a lot in the, I have a, a local private lake here that's a private community where I've caught I've caught uh, flatheads up in the 80s there, and a lot of times I fish off the bank. Uh, there's some I know where there's some little canals that run through there, where a little deep hole, and I'll fish right on the edge of that deep hole. Um, I use uh, Gaiuchi, uh basically hooks. They're a number six. Uh, some guys use bigger, but I like the number six because they set real well when you're setting a hook on them on them big flatheads. Because you, you just don't pick up and kind of like, you you want really want to get that hook set because they got a real tough jaw. You don't want that hook to pull out. Uh, but the, some a lot of times them gaiuchis when they bite onto them they lock on and they're usually already set. And then um, it's going from there. But well, right now we're we're really fishing mainly for uh, for blues and channels because our our flats our big shovels are on the nest right now. So you won't be catching on the big shovels right now. They should be coming off the nest here in the next couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to that. Okay, how many pound cast line are you using on these rods? I use I use thirty to forty pound test. And what type of line are you guys using? I use monofilament. I use uh, I've used Cap uh, Berkeley. A lot of different types that you just can. Uh, I buy a lot of time Berkeley trialing, um, thirty pound, forty pound test. Uh, some guys use up to 50. Um, I, if I set my drags, my drag right, I can, I've, I've fished for years with 20 pound tests and just slowly start integrating up to 30 to 40 pound because it kind of helps you, especially if you're fishing on bottom. You're, you're going through rocks and stuff. That line kind of holds up a lot better and you don't take a chance of trying to set the hook and then actually snapping your line because you got a fray in it. So that's, that's about the 30 to 40 pound test is my, kind of my favorite it's easier to throw out like i said there's some guys use 50 60 pound tests but i i just prefer that 30 pound to pretty much to all of it you know alex that's pretty amazing uh, thinking 30 40 pound test line because you know here in the ozarks we don't have any big rivers uh, you know and we've got the lakes and i know we don't probably fish for catfish as much on the lakes as we as we should uh but we got smaller rivers so we have smaller catfish and you know around here you know we're fishing with 10 to 20 pound test line and and it's adequate for just about anything you're going to catch but i can't imagine hooking into an 80 pound 
catfish. Now, John, what's that feel like uh, when you when you <laughs> when, when you, you set that hook well, and that fish starts trying to swim away? I mean, that it's got to pull the pole right out of your hand. I actually i I caught that. I caught one two years ago. It was eighty seven and a half pounds. Wow! I caught him two foot off the bank, literally <laughs> two foot off the bank. And when I set the hook, he was already about I don't know three or four hundred feet out and just kept a trucking. Uh, a lot of people, if they see a bait caster, you got your line guide. It was just going bing, 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 back and forth. He was, and I just, I just got to keep working him. It took me over an hour to get him in. I, I didn't want to hog him. I didn't want to snap the line or, or do anything crazy, uh, pull a leader or anything like that. So I, you know, I'd bring him in. He'd go back out, bring him in, go back out. And, and that lake I fish in, it's a real good oxygen filled lake. So them fish are real healthy. So they fight. I mean, they really fight. Wow, so who wore out first? You or the fish? I was pretty wore out, but <laughs> I ended up winning. That's all that counts, right, is uh, you end up winning. All right, so, um, yeah, I just, I, I really, I just can't imagine. I mean, I've caught, you know, uh, and Alex, I know you have too, probably caught channel cat, you know, 10, 12 pounds, and, and we think that's a chore, and I just can't imagine an 80-pound fish. Well, imagine, you know, an 87-pound person or a child. When you pick that child up yeah. and imagine the fish that lives in the water and how strong they are when they pull. Like John said, when the hook's set, they just take off like a runaway freight train. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's amazing. Man, this is a great, great show. We're having everybody. We're going to go to a break. And when we come back, John is going to share some of his secret baits that he uses to catch catfish. We've got a lot of catfish listeners on here, Redbone, from all over the world and Absolutely. all over the country. And there is a lot of people that catfish on the lakes with 30-pound test line and big rods, also on North Fork and Bull Shoals Lakes. We're going to do a break, and we'll be right back with John Manning talking about catfishing after this. Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Passed on down, planted deep in the ground around your heart. So you never got Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. This is the final segment of the radio show. And uh, we got a podcast show also for this show. And we will be doing a bonus segment after this. And John is going to share some of the other techniques during the bonus segment. But this last segment here of the radio show, John is going to share some of his secret recipes for some of his catfish baits that he's using. Uh, John, before we go into the recipes, I want to talk about jug lining. You do jug line and you use floaters as well. And let's talk about that for about two or three minutes. Tell us about jug lining and floaters. Well, a jug line, basically, um, you can use like, I've seen guys use uh, two-liter pop bottles. Uh, I've seen old bleach bottles, things of that nature. But make sure if you use anything that had any type of chemical in it, you flush them out real good so you don't take a chance of contaminating the water. But uh, a lot of times, you uh, if you go out on a boat, I've even uh, gone on the river and do it too, or I'll, I'll uh, limb line as well. But I find a pretty decent little hole in there, and I'll put a about a three- to four-foot um, leader on it. And then um, I usually use what I, uh, my favorite bait in the creeks would be a, on a jug line would be a, a pumpkin seed. Basically, it's a, a lot of people's pumpkin seeds. It's a it's like a sunfish. Basically, it's a native to a lot of your your creeks, 
and uh, they just they're magnets to the the cats. They love them. Okay, so how many pound test line are you using on these jug lines and these limb lines? And the next thing is for a jug line, you say if you find a good hoe, what is a good hoe? So the listeners can learn from that. How do you determine what a good hoe is with a jug line or a limb line? Basically, well, on a uh, a good hole to me is when you're going up a riverbank. If you uh, if you got a you got a good um, if you got a good flow going down in a shallow, and then it comes in and it drops into a, a, a basically a, a bar into a deeper hole, and it's got kind of a drift to it on the one side where the current kind of rolls around. I always put mine right there because that bait, when it comes down through there. When it comes down through there, it'll, it'll it'll catch itself right in around them, and not far off the bank. A lot of people they make a mistake. They think you need to fish way out in the middle. Them cats will come to the they come to that bank to feed. That bait the feeder fish, the bait fish are staying closer to the bank. I've caught more of my biggest fish two or three foot off the bank than I have ever caught a hundred feet out in the middle of, middle of a river or a lake. But keep it, you know, where that water rolls around, it kind of turns into it and gets a little slower. I put, I usually put my jig lines or my jug lines or my bush lines right there. And a bush line is basically you tying it. You find a good bush, a good hangover tree, and you tie it to that. And I use um, a lot of people. I I use trout line. I actually use string, heavy duty string. I'm not for sure what test they call that. Some people use it for survey string, that heavy duty stuff. Uh-huh. That's what I use. Yeah. So how long do you make your leaders depending on the depth of the water? Is that how you do this? Yeah. Yeah, just depending on how, how deep the water is. Um, sometimes on a bush line, you may have to reach up a little bit so you tie tie off. And, uh, and a lot of people use bush lines, too, for, you know, out, uh, down catching gators and stuff. It's the same concept. I tie my, my bush lines up. But same way with a jug line, if I find – I find a decent decent hole. I may get a little deeper because I like to be right off that bottom. I'm a, I'm a type of guy. I fish a lot right off the bottom. Even if I'm using a lake float that's on my pole, I will I'll throw my pole out and I'll keep setting my um, basically your your line guide or your 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 float guide. I'll keep pulling it back until my float actually lays flat, and that's telling me I'm on the bottom. And then I'll bring it up about a couple of feet so that I'm right off the bottom. Because then the catfish are bottom feeders, and when they're coming through, they're basically scaling the bottom, and then when they see that bait, they'll come up and grab it. Here's a question for you, Redbone, and for, for, for him, I think you'll like Redbone. John, how many catfish do you and your family usually catch a summer? To our listeners oh. across the world. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's a couple hundred or more. We catch a lot of them. My boys have been burning them up this year. They've been burning them up more than I have because I've been really busy with work, with the, with everything going on, with everything that's been going on. Uh, we were shut down for a while. Now we're just really, really busy. So I've been really busy. But uh, my boys can go about every afternoon. Um, they're they're catching sometimes 20, 30 fish. Right now, this time of year, like I said, it's really hot. Uh, kind of dog days of summer. They're not as not as active until you know later in the, at night. You know, a lot of times early, early morning, two, three o'clock in the morning is about the best bite for us then. Um, but uh, John, give us a setting for uh, a night trip. You're catching most of these catfish at night. Paint a picture for our listeners. Uh, do you build a bonfire? Do you run lanterns? T- tell us what your technique is. I don't use any lights at all. I like pitch darkness. 
Uh, the only lights come on is the lights that we use for, you know, getting our bait, checking our, our poles. But after that, we turn all the lights off. I, I like it pitch dark. I like a good dark night. Um, yeah, you can have the stars because it's beautiful to watch them, but I like no heavy moon. I just like a real pitch dark night. And it just seems like them, you know, them them night monsters is what a lot of people call them. They come out. They come out the the the, the prairie around and catch, you know, catch their their meal. But um, I don't like a lot of bright lights at all. Uh, I don't use lanterns. I mean, you can have them up on the bank, but I don't like them anywhere towards the water. Um, I've noticed that if I use the light up, if I got a bank really lit up, I don't catch as many off the bank as I do if it's pitch dark. Um, if I'm using a float, I usually got a, um, I got a, uh, on my float, I've got these little LED lights that you can buy online. You can buy a thousand of them for darn near nothing and put a, you put a little, um, watch battery on the back side of it and you, and you basically tape it to your top of your float and you've got a little LED light and you can just watch your float that way. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, and I've seen those online. So that that'll be a good way. You know, when I when I go and we go uh, three or four times a summer uh, on the local creek to do catfishing, we actually do like to have a little bit of light, but we do keep it back away from the water because I'm like you, John. I've always noticed if we're building a fire or taking a lantern and we and we've got it right on the the water, uh, the fishing's not going to be as good as if we you know move back twenty or thirty feet and have the fire back there because it's it's nice to have something when you've got a you know, reset your hooks or you got to uh, put a new bait on or maybe you're going to try a new bait or maybe you uh, you break off a line you got to tie on a new hook. There, there is good to – I like to have a little bit of light without having to go find a flashlight and all that stuff. I use That's good information and uh, that you're sharing, Redbone. And we've come to the end of the show here, everybody. And if you want to learn more about catfishing with John Manning, you can go to his Facebook page. And, John, you want to share that with everybody real quick? Then I've got some more things to say. Yeah, you can just go. You can look me up on Facebook at John Manning. Um, you can just look me up and uh, send me a friend request, or you can send me a private message. Any questions you have, I enjoy talking to people about fishing and hunting. Anything that you, anything you need, just give me a, give me a holler. Um, I'll, I'll touch base with you, and, and anything I can answer. And if I don't have the answer, I sure could probably find somebody that does. I got a brother that is 10 times bigger fisher than I, and he knows a lot more about it than I do. He's the one got kind of got me into catfishing. There you have it, everybody, John Manning. John, you got to share a word about American Roots real quick. American Roots, folks, I'm telling you, it's all, we're all about our faith, our family, our, 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 our God-given rights as an American, and we're about the flag. Just like Alex said, we're, we're about our flag, and we're about – all our rights and and everybody matters everybody does um we're all god's children and that's what we're about we're about we're about our heritage our roots straight up our roots and i'm here to help people create more roots and create more memories well said what do you think Redbone? what a great show we've had and uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Be sure to tune in to the bonus segment. What you've got to do is like our page and go to any podcast carrier, and you can listen to American Roots Outdoors on our podcast. We air in 19 countries now. And the title of this show is John Manning, the catfishman from Ohio, catching big catfish. We're going to go close the show, and our famous say here on American Roots you want to close it up, John? Yes. When your roots are deep and strong, you never have to fear the wind. God bless you, folks. 
There you have it, folks. Have a great weekend, and tune into our podcast. Go to the podcast carriers looking for American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutherford and Friends. You're going to learn some more secrets after this if you're a podcast listener on what he's using for lures other than little perch. Have a great weekend. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors bonus segment. If you're listening to this, it's very obvious that you have signed up and liked our page and you're listening to our show on one of the podcast carriers. And again, the bonus segment here is with John Manning, the catfish fisherman from Ohio. This guy loves catching big catfish, and they catch two to 300 every summer with him and his family. We talked about limb lining. We talked about uh, jug lining. We talked about fishing with poles. Now what we want to talk about here is what types of baits do you use, and do you change the type of baits as throughout the summer progresses. Let's talk about that, John. Yeah, um, basically some of the baits that I use, um, I use a lot of live bait and then cut bait. I'm, I'm big on live bait. Um, right this time of year when the, when the flatheads are starting to come off of off the nest, their mouths are so sore from, from fighting and all that stuff. So I use a lot of softer, um, I use uh, creek chubs, uh, sucker chubs, a lot of people call them, and I use a, a, a bluegill that we call war mouth. I don't know if you guys know what a war mouth bluegill is, but it's a wider mouth. Some people think they're kind of like a rock bass, but they're not. They're they're in the bluegill, but they're real soft. They don't have a lot of. They don't real. They're not real scaly. They're real real soft, and them catfish love them when, especially when they're coming off the nest. Um, so that's that's some of the ones I use a lot. But I um, I use. Um, I use skipjack. I don't know if anybody knows what a skipjack is. You can catch them out a lot of the major big rivers. Um, it's a real stinky bait. Um, I use them for cut bait, and I like catching them and then using them. I like uh, some guys will freeze them there. It's all right, but it's a lot better when it's fresh. When you when you're cutting that bait up and just chunking it up and putting it on a hook and then uh, suspending it off the bottom, that them catfish come to that smell. But I do have one bait that a lot of people probably don't don't even think about using. Um, I process my own deer. So all the extra trimmings on a deer goes in a bag, and we use that, that trimming. Um, and it's amazing, especially in the creeks and the rivers. Um, I've caught a lot, of, a lot of river cats and channel cats and blues off of chunks of, of um, deer fat with a little bit of meat on it, stuff that you'll cut off and throw away. I actually bag, freeze it, and we take it out. Deer heart, I've used it. Deer liver, all that, I just, I take that. Instead of just throwing it away or feeding it to the coyotes, I actually bag it up and we use it for bait. Yeah, Alex, I never thought of that. That is a really good idea. You know, Redbone, you're right, and man, that's why people love this show, people sharing their information, their secrets, and that's what we're doing here in this bonus segment. John Manning's catching two to 300 catfish a year with him and his family. He's sharing a deep secret. I've never thought of doing that either. So 
me ask you this. With the trimmings, do you marinate it in anything or do you season it up? What do you do? Nope, I don't do anything. You know how cat or how um, deer's got that kind of that strong strong smell to it anyway? He's um, real gamey. Um, it's it's just perfect. Um, I'll take a chunk of it, put it in a little cooler, and I just cut off a little chunk that's still half frozen, put it on a hook, throw it out. Uh, we went about two weeks ago, I went out, and I caught uh, 46 channel cats, one after the other. I mean, just boom, boom, boom. Um, nice size, nice size channel cat, and uh, just one after the other. Couldn't just keep, I couldn't keep the bait in the water. And again, I was just throwing two, three feet off the bank, and was just burning them up. It was, it was fun. And them guys, there's guys there fishing beside me. And they're like, "What are you, what are you using?" So I, I handed them a few pieces, and the next thing they know, they're like, "That's a great idea." I'm like, "Yeah, it is a great idea." I was like, "There's no sense in throwing it out." You know, a lot of guys will throw it out to the coyotes or throw it away and no not us we trim it off and it goes it goes in a bag and goes in the freezer and, and we use it for bait well let me ask you this what works better the buck or the doe <laughs> really honestly probably would be a buck because he's got more game than him. i would say probably would be a buck um i try to if i get it on a doe i try to cut as much off as a doe as i can to use it and put her put her in the grinds and everything else because of the 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 less of that gamey taste to a to a doe uh, to versus a buck. But um, but yeah, we actually had a buck um, last year that a buddy of mine uh, shot that actually someone shot prior and it had a, the backside was kind of not really it wasn't you could tell it wasn't edible. So we actually quartered that out and bagged it up and we use it for for. Uh, to fish bait, and it's it's worked really good. Well, i tell you what, John, here's, here's a tip I want to share with you. In the earlier part of the show, you may have heard it. We used to take chicken livers, and we would soak in vanilla. Try soaking some of your deer meat in vanilla and see how many more fish you can catch with that. that would, yeah, that would sound good. They do like vanilla. That that's I, I'll give it a try, and I'll let everybody know. It sounds well, like a winner. We're going to wrap this show up, man. What a way to close the show with that great secret weapon you got, deer trimmings from your past deer season. Putting them in a bag, putting them in a freezer, and using them. And uh, that's a tip, great tip. And what we're going to do here is about two minutes left here, John. I want you to share with us, with everything going on in the world today with this COVID and people not honoring the flag and and not honoring Christianity, I want you to give us some heartfelt stuff here and give us some scripture. Go. Basically, folks, I'm, I'm, it's it's really sad um, seeing everything that's going on with uh, people, you know, just throwing the flag down and burning it. You know, we were we were born here in this country to to respect our flag and, and to respect each other and and it's it's disappearing and, and a lot of people don't realize something the bible is playing out right now in front of us folks amen amen it's it's it's, it's coming out right in front of us i got a great feeling that we're going to see the end of times i'm going to see it in my lifetime and the reason why i say that is because everything that is being said everything you read in revelations everything that you do that you go in the bible and read is happening right now in front of us it is happening people are turning against people plagues coming um 
locusts. You know, there's other countries that's being being plummeted right now with locusts. Everything that you read in the Bible is happening right now. The the seasons. We didn't really have a spring. We're, we probably will really, and here lately we haven't had a fall here. Everything has just been almost like two seasons. Uh, it's everything is everything's playing out that that has been said in the Bible is happening right now in front of us. And I'm telling you, turn to Him. If you turn to Him, He'll guide you through it. You That's the only way. You've got to turn to God. You've got to turn to Him. You got. He is there waiting on you. Turn to Him and give Him you all. I'm telling you. It, I, I'm I'm ready to cry. I mean, I'm in the fire service. I'm seeing uh, a lot of people don't believe in this COVID. It ha- it's it's for real. It's for real stuff. It is it, it is it's bad. Is it as bad as they say it is? I'm not for sure. But it's it's there. There's people my age dying from it. There's it's not just older folks dying from it. It's not a, a, a different race that's dying from it. Everybody's dying from it. So. Take it serious. Take this stuff serious. All lives matter. I've done said it. Um, you know, some people may come down on me for saying it, but all lives matter. It doesn't matter whose life. All lives matter. That's right. Let me Everybody matters. Very good word. I want to say this about COVID. You say something real quick, Redbone, and we're going to wrap it up. COVID is like pneumonia. It's like the flu. Uh People with weak immune systems, uh, uh, breathing problems, weak immune systems is who it really affects. Young children, it can really affect. Yeah, we do need to take the COVID serious. But I think some areas and some situations, I don't think the physicians and hospitals, and uh, they're not really telling the truth. If you search one million people, versus searching 1,000 people, yeah, you're going to find more cases. I've heard right. horror stories, real quick, I've heard horror stories of hospitals claiming people that's died because they're elderly and said, oh, yeah, they had COVID because their hospitals are getting paid high numbers of dollars because right. they died and had COVID. This, this corruption's got to stop. Mm-hmm. Your turn, Redbone. Well, I'm going to say is I agree with both of you, and and I also, uh, I also, I also, I also think that we have created a nation of panic and a nation of fear for something that is affecting less than five percent of the entire population. Come on, Come on. and and you know here's yep. the thing: even though the numbers of cases, and Alex, you said it, you're, we're, the numbers of cases going up. Well, we're testing more people, uh, but here's the stat that was coming out of Florida just the other day, uh, Florida. Uh, had an increase in the number of cases, you know, setting records every day, new record, the number of people. But the death rate was going down. The death rate went from 20% of the people that had COVID-19 down to 13% of the people that had COVID-19. So that tells me that, you know, there's a little something strange. And of course, you know, Florida got caught here just the other day. Uh, They were misrepresenting the numbers. I think it's pretty widely known now. And now that, uh, you know, the the government has taken over the numbers, uh, they've taken that away from the CDC because the CDC to keep their funding in a maximum I think they were also exaggerating the numbers somewhat so uh, yeah be, be, be careful 
I don't think there's anything wrong with being careful. I know in Arkansas, uh, uh, as of this week, you have to wear a mask if you're out in public in Arkansas. And, you know, major retailers saying you have to wear a mask. Folks, wear that mask. It's not that big an inconvenience. I say that because I haven't had one on yet. But if I go to Arkansas, I'll have to wear one now. And I only live a half a mile from Arkansas. So, uh, But wear the mask. You know, be inconvenienced a little bit. And, and I do believe that they're right, that the only way that we're going to see this thing kind of go away is if we all wear a mask and try to stop the spread. There you have it, folks. Redbone, well said. John Manning, well said. I just want to say this. We're going to wrap it up. If you are a Christian and you believe in the Bible, vote conservative. Vote what's right. We're not telling you who the candidate is, but you vote for what's right. If you're a Christian, you can't afford to vote liberal. That plain and simple. American roots, our roots run deep and strong, and we don't fear the wind. Neither should you. Thank you for listening. Follow us at www.americanrootsoutdoors.com. Have a great and safe weekend, and take your families and share the outdoors with them. 